Hello, friends. I'm Luke, and I serve on the music team at Holy Family. We continue to hear stories from people like you who listen to the Holy Family podcast and consider Holy Family your church. And whether you're someone who's constantly on the go, hasn't found a church community where you live to which you can belong, or someone who's wondering about the shape of your faith, we are honored to be with you by sharing these reflections from our Sunday liturgies. We rely on the generosity of our congregation, which includes you wherever you listen, to help our ministry achieve and maintain financial health. If this podcast has been a gift to you, would you consider making a contribution so that we can continue offering resources that welcome questions, curiosities, and doubts? You can make a gift by following the link in our show notes. That's at holyfamilyhtx.org. From Holy Family HTX, an Episcopal church for people without a church, this is the Holy Family Podcast, a collection of ideas about leading a Jesus-centered life. We clearly explore the church's understandings while bringing our own questions, curiosities, and doubts, and we never demand fake agreement. Theological exploration is just better that way. So, let's take a moment of silence as we get ready to contemplate today's ideas. On Easter day, two disciples travel to a village called Emmaus. Now today, no one knows for sure which village Emmaus actually was, but nonetheless, they're on the road toward it and they're fighting with each other about everything that had happened during Holy Week. While they were discussing these things, Jesus himself arrives, just shows up, and joins them on their journey. He companions them, and they do not recognize him. This tells us a lot about life with the risen Lord. In the midst of our debates and arguments and discussions and, frankly, fights, Jesus Christ risen from the dead, comes and joins us on our journey. And for a whole host of reasons, we do not recognize him. Think back through every important discussion that you have had in the last month. Today's Easter text says that at some point, Jesus Christ snuck into that boardroom. He crept into that group text. He slipped into your rear passenger side door. He came into your breakfast table. And you didn't notice it. But the whole point about Easter is that resurrection is not contingent upon our recognition. 
we almost never recognize the risen Lord at first. Now, as Jesus companions the two, he does not launch into a sermon. He begins by asking questions. What are you talking about? Now, you might think that Jesus is playing coy here, but it could also be that the resurrected Lord is really just curious. Can you imagine Jesus being curious about what it is that we're on about? Hey, what are you talking about? What are you arguing about? What are we fighting about today, guys? What's got you all worked up? Can you hear the risen Lord ask you this morning? What's bothering you? What is it that concerns you? What's frightening you? I, mean, I know that's why some of you have come today. You may not even be able to say those words out loud without breaking into tears, but something is scaring some of you today. Jesus Christ comes among you without judgment and with simple curiosity says, what is it? Now, one of the disciples on the journey replays the events of Jesus' death and said, well, we had kind of hoped that he was going to be the one to, we were so excited about him. You know, just one week ago, here we were waving palms at him, coronating him. You're our guy. You are our new leader. He had such promise. But then, well, but then he went and got himself crucified. And at that, all of our hopes and dreams began circling the drain again. And be real honest with you, I'm not quite convinced that I have the energy necessary to start it up again. I'm wondering if this is just it. Can you relate? Well, I had hoped that Jesus was going to be the one who would make the sickness go away. I had hoped Jesus was the one who would make the sadness disappear. I had hoped Jesus was the one who would bring a little financial relief. I had hoped Jesus was the one who was finally going to put my enemy in their place. Haven't we all had hopes and dreams for what God ought to do for us? We have all instrumentalized Jesus towards our utilitarian ends. And then we get upset when Jesus turns out not to be the talisman we wanted or the charm that bestows good fortune or the ultimate fixer to all of our problems. Jesus interprets for them the things written about himself in all the scriptures, starting with Moses up through the prophets, which is a way to say that having something like the Bible isn't enough. Now, 
I promise that's not actually as provocative as it sounds to some fundamentalist ears. What I mean is, until God opens the scriptures for us, until God shows us how to read them, we don't really know what to do with them. I mean, never forget, we're the type of people that when Jesus is on the cross, he says, you know, we're better forgive them. They don't have any idea what they're doing. Which is why in our liturgies, in the Episcopal Church, we always pray a prayer before we read the scriptures. And the point of that liturgical prayer is to say, Lord, as we open up these scriptures, you better come down and open our hearts. You better come down and open our minds because we will not understand it without you. Without you working in us, they're words on a page. You're going to have to actually show up and do something here. In the story, Jesus sits at a table with them and he takes bread and he blesses it and he breaks it and then he gives it to them. And at the taking, blessing, breaking, and giving of bread, two crucial things occur. Here's the first. Their eyes are opened. And they recognize him. This is a direct callback or allusion to the Garden of Eden. It's quite literally the same words, ripped. When the two in the Garden of Eden eat from the forbidden fruit and their eyes are opened and they see their nakedness and they feel shame in their heart. Well, in this story, the Emmaus Eucharist sums up, recaps, restores the Edenic epiphany. Well, that's the first thing that occurs at the taking, blessing, breaking, and giving of bread. Here's the second. He disappears from their sight. Just a short number of decades later, St. Ignatius of Antioch writes this to his epistle to the church in Rome. Quote, Now that Christ is with the Father, he is more visible than he was before. With all due respect to St. Ignatius, that just seems wrong. I mean, I know I grew up in a small town of 8,000 people, but like, that's just wrong. How can Jesus be more visible now that he's gone? Well, I mean, you would think, I would think that now that Jesus has risen from the dead, he would want to stay put and make people do pilgrimage and come on out and come see. Take a look behind this curtain. But that's kind of to miss the point of resurrection. Remember Herbert McCabe's insight. The resurrection is not a religious event, merely for pious people, as if Jesus only lives on in the hearts of his followers. That kind of thinking really downgrades the resurrection into a religious experience. And it really only makes a difference for people who consider themselves insiders in the church instead of the apocalyptic cosmic event that it is in the New Testament. God breaking in to forever change the world so much that there was a creation and now there is a new creation. 
And now Jesus Christ is present to the whole world, whether you believe in him or not. He can now get to everybody anytime, with or without our permission. This God has been let loose on the world in Jesus Christ. Now the last line of today's gospel goes like this. Jesus Christ was made known to them as he broke the bread. <laughs> Which is to say, if you've come today and you really want to know the risen Lord Jesus, come to this altar. When we break the bread, that's how you get to know Jesus. Sure, your questions about God matter, and that's why we offer a lot of courses and classes and workshops at this church. There's even some of our answers that can be helpful to our questions about God. But knowing things about God is just never the same thing as knowing God. And that's not the same thing as the best thing, which is being known by God. You really want your eyes opened? You come to this altar. God gives us wheat and grapes, and we make them bread and wine. And then we bring bread and wine up to this altar. And then God makes them the body and the blood. And God gives us the body and the blood so that we may be the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood for the life of the whole world. You are how Jesus Christ is more visible in this world. The disciples saw Jesus' body until he broke the bread. And then they became his body, the body of Christ. That's what Easter is all about. The body of Christ engrafting you. In his book, Being Consumed, William Cavanaugh writes, we are consumers in the Eucharist, but in consuming the body of Christ, we are transformed into the body of Christ. We are drawn into the divine life in communion with other people. We consume in the Eucharist, but we are thereby consumed by God. So while no one knows for sure which village outside of Jerusalem was Emmaus, I'll let you in on a little secret. This aisle right here is the road to Emmaus. can find more resources to help you lead a Jesus-centered life at holyfamilyhtx.org. Again, it's holyfamilyhtx.org.